Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, March sixth episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A. Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. In addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Since December of 2018, we have featured 149 poets in 18 countries on five continents. And as much as I would like to continue to do that, unfortunately, today's episode will be our last. I cannot thank enough all the poets who have taken the time to speak with me over the past three years, and I hope all of you have enjoyed the eye-opening conversations we've had as much as we did while having them. And now let us welcome our poet guest of the week, Danabel Gutierrez. Hi, Danabel. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hi.、Uh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm. Very excited to be、um, speaking to you and talking about poetry. It's my jam. <laughs> yeah, cool. Me too. Can't wait. You brought with you today your poem. We before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am Danabel Gutierrez. I grew up in Cairo, Vienna, and Muscat, and I've been living in Dubai for the past seventeen years.、Mm-hmm. I have been doing poetry for about seven years now,、mm-hmm. but we all know that we started poetry very young. That we did it, you know. We dabbled in poetry when we were when we were eight,、mm-hmm. <laughs> but I kind of took it seriously about seven years ago, and I thought, but it wasn't it wasn't really my plan. To be honest, I I wanted to write fiction.、Mm. Wanted to write long narrative, but yeah, I fell into poetry, and it's it's kind of like that that rabbit hole, you know. And、mm. it's now I'm in Wonderland, and I don't know how to get out. <laughs> <laughs> do you now write both, or do you only write poetry? So, I wrote a novel eight years ago,、mm-hmm. and I didn't like it.、Mm. <laughs> So I have been writing poetry, but about three years ago, three four years ago, I started writing short stories. So、okay. I'm slowly easing my way back into longer narratives.、Mm-hmm. For now, it's still mostly poetry.、Mm-hmm. There's an off year where it's like, oh, I wrote a short story this year. <laughs> off year. <laughs> oh, I wrote two short stories this year. Or oh, I wrote. <laughs> two halves of short stories,、mm. um, but yeah, it's 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 hard to start back back up because you know you're when you're when you're telling a story you have to be as clear as possible,、right. um, and with poetry you have the license to be as vague. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's finding that balance. I, I really still do want to to tell stories.、Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know when. I will have enough drive and enough dedication. It's, it's a commitment.、Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know if the poetry events that you go to, the open mics, especially if they are multi-genre ones where people can、um, tell both story as well as poetry, so that you can read both and see get the audience feedback. Yeah, sure. So there, there are a few open mics and poetry nights here in Dubai.、Um, obviously, now for the past year and a half, they've kind of taken a backseat、um, mm-hmm. because of the current situation that we have found ourselves in.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, there used to be、um, a few avenues for that. But I haven't read any of my short stories out loud to anyone. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm working up the courage. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You just gotta just do it, right?、And、see how people、yeah. feel about it. I I feel like、um, from the packet of、uh, poems you sent me, there are a lot of narrative、um, poems. I mean, like they're not complete story arcs, but they're still give you 
a vignette into a story that you want to know more about. Yeah. And I think that is because that is what I wanted to do, right? I wanted to tell stories. Mm -hmm. So I think even if I'm writing poetry, it still comes out, you know, our obsessions come out. Right. Um, right. As poets, that's what happens, you know? Um, so, so yeah, you're right. <laughs> Most of my poems do have like a narrative running through it, some sort of story happening. Mm -hmm. So it's not always a biography. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I've also recently come across, I think there are some poets, because um, I do mostly events in the U.S., so I attended one where someone actually wrote an autobiography biographical story using you know using the epic I'm guessing is the epic poetry form so, ah lovely yeah so that 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 is possible and that you yeah. can just straddle both genres write a story entirely in verse yes that is true yeah. that is true yeah. well we need a modern day homer so you might as well be it <laughs> Let me, let me have a think about that. <laughs> let, me, let me see if I have enough commitment for that. <laughs> Speaking of commitment, I actually, so um, I'm, I'm sure you know that um, there's this, uh, the form, the sonnet form, right? And there's uh, mm -hmm. the form, uh, the, cra the crown of sonnets, mm -hmm. where you write, I think it's, is it 16? But anyway, so I was trying to do that, and I got to about three, and I was like, Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's easier to commit to a one poem, right? But like to a series of poems, it's 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 a bigger commitment. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And yeah. I think I think poetry is versatile enough. I mean, even storytelling, even if, if yeah. in prose, that you can just do shorter you know, write a poem here, write a poem there. And I don't think you necessarily need to stick to a particular form. Of course, I'm not an F MFA. And neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> so so <laughs> good, good, good. Then I, I think there are some constraints that come with having those yeah. degrees because uh, I remember sure. interviewing one person who had an MFA and who was saying, well, for a long time, I didn't write about my grandmother because in my MFA, they were always pounding, hammering into us the idea that, you know, everybody has already written this poem. And I was like, yeah, but you can still have your grandmother's story, right? Told in your right. poem form. Yeah. Um, now you're, you're, you're right about that. Cause I have a few friends who have done their MFAs and they said, they can't write as freely anymore as they used to mm -hmm. um, because of all the stuff that were hammered into them. And it just doesn't feel as organic mm -hmm. anymore. So, yeah, <laughs> I get that. I get that. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, at least, um, poetry is simply a tool of self-expression. And as much as I respect the craft that comes out of MFA programs, you know, and it is certainly a route that people who want to go into it, I, I encourage them to go into it. At the same mm. time, I think the po poetry world is large enough that it can accommodate both people who are have had that formal education in poetry and the ones who are, you know, doing it in their own way and and, right. and, you know, even something in the middle, right? Because, uh, again, yeah. it's such yeah. a large world. And when you speak True. to different audiences, they just vibe with different things. That's so true. That is so true. <laughs> the world is large. And, yeah, there's room for all types of voices and all types of poems. That's so true. I believe that, too. Yeah. Well, Speaking of the large world, what's it like? Um, I've heard that there is a very good respect for the arts in general, but literary arts, um, because of, of the tradition, the, I, I think, I don't know if I'm saying correctly, but the Arabic tradition um, of yes. the, uh, respect for literary arts. I, I don't know, yes. since you've lived in many places, I don't know if that's what you feel. 
Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, the UAE itself has a long uh, tradition of, of oral, uh, an, an oral uh, tradition of poetry. And they do have a lot of respect for poetry. And I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, this is where I explored and seriously explored mm-hmm. the, the craft and the art of poetry because they have not only respect, but they have the, they enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I know that in some places there, cause here, so you'll have an open poet, uh, an open mic night or a poetry night. And there will be days when that, when that place will be packed with mm-hmm. people like standing room only. Mm. And that doesn't happen in all cities. No. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, um, stories of, of, um, my, my poet friends telling me that there were events where whoever was on the list, uh, doing their thing, doing their open mic poems, um, were the same people in the audience. Hmm. Yeah. But here there really are, there's, there's an audience for poetry because they enjoy it. They respect it. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful seeing, you know, because it's a very diverse kind of city as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got your, your locals, you've got your other Arabs, um, you've got all different types of nationalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to hear, you know, their, their work and you get to hear where they're coming from. It's just really beautiful to be exploring literature in this landscape. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I can't wait to finally go there when all this is yes. <laughs> over. And You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. I, I would love to check out the scene because, you know, t- to my utter regret, I didn't find out uh, from you, in fact, about the open mics until they basically went back into physical uh, the physical station. Yeah. There's still some uh, that happen online. I know that rooftop rhythms hold theirs regularly mm. every month. Okay. Um, so that's still happening online. But a lot of them have taken a backseat mm. uh, since this whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're slowly easing into it. It's, it's exciting to, you know, finally get back. Because I miss more than performing, what I actually miss is connecting. Mm-hmm. You know, like after reading your poems or after listening to other people, I will, I will be going to, to poetry nights uh, sometimes that I wouldn't perform, mm-hmm. um, but I'll be listening and I'll be, you know, I'll be watching. Uh, and it's the conversations that I have with the people in between performances or even after, you know, having a coffee with them, you know, just like really connecting with people that I miss. I miss that because um, you don't get to have that on Zoom on zoom events right um because mm. you know you can pull someone to to the side and have like a private conversation but in a zoom call you're all in it <laughs> yeah and the chat function yeah. the private chat function is very distracting for me um true true and you know chatting is different than actually talking and hearing the inflection in someone's voice you know when they're telling you a story it's just I do miss that. I really do. <laughs> yeah, I can totally, totally understand because it's very, very different calls on very different parts of your sensory system. Like, yeah. and and you know that dead silence in Zoom. Even though you can see people are appreciating it if they have their cameras on, and you're just like, but I, I personally read because I can't remember all my ah. words so I'm not I, I have the you know half the screens I'm like I'm, I'm not sure if you're reacting to this <laughs> same I've actually given up you know being on zoom has made me lazy mm. I have given up memorizing my poems um because you know you'll have you have the screen and it doesn't look like you're reading right mm. um so yeah but I even before that I feel like because I get very nervous when I perform. Mm. Um, so I found out that a lot of my nerves were rooted in the thought that I will forget my lines. Mm. So I thought, okay, let me just carry this paper. Mm. Even if I do have it memorized, let me just carry this paper, look at it from time to time and see, um, and not get as nervous, but I still do. I don't know how to fix that. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that 
you know, you necessarily need to fix it. I, I think it's unfair, especially in spoken word. Uh, yeah. The, the, that scene that whether or not they explicitly say it, you sometimes get punished when you're being scored um, mm. for reading. Yeah. And, and that's not right. This is not, I mean, they're treating it much more, especially in slam, right? They're treating it much more like it's theater than true literature. So true. Yeah. But it's also about finding one's uh, comfort zone and, and venue, right? One uh, A venue that accepts you for who you are, how you express your art. True, true. Thankfully, like, the poetry community here is, is very welcoming and encouraging and supportive. Mm-hmm. It's funny because there are several collectives back, back when, you know, back when we had in-person events, but there are several collectives and you'll see the same people. <laughs> mm. yeah. You'll be seeing the same people, the same audience. So the organizer of that event will be performing at someone else's organized event. It's just, it's a really nice community. And I, yeah, now, now I'm missing it even more now that we're talking about it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a year and a half of this thing that we're doing, so... Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. I, I think one of the silver linings is that we're finding out that you know there's a global audience and when true. And if we want to keep that, we kind of have to do either hybrid or have separate dedicated Zoom. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. I, I agree. Um, that is the silver lining. I, I remember being really thankful for, for Zoom. And um, because I'm, I think we met um, at a Luya poetry event, didn't we? I think so. I think it was their fundraiser because yeah. it was like and fabulous. I wouldn't have been able to attend that event had it not for, you know, had it not been for this. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, that is the silver lining. That yeah. is the silver lining. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, like global audiences and also as it relates to your own experience of traveling, I think now it will be a good time to read your poem we for us and then we can sure. talk about it. Okay. We verb to go back to your residence. One word meaning to return, not just anywhere, but home. I wonder how often the ancestors had to leave, had to go, had to work, had to travel on foot, had to climb down mountains, had to walk across rice fields, had to sail across islands, across continents, for miles, for years, for this word to be invented. I was seven years old when we moved to Cairo. I remember scribbling notes to my mother saying, Let's go home. My mother, sentimental, kept the notes. I look at them. Now I wonder, what home? Which one? The rented apartment? Muscat? Dubai? Vienna? Where my mother is? Or Inangbayan? The country I am from but barely know. I wonder how often the ancestors had to reassure the ones who left said, It is okay. Go, explore, work, adventure, have fun. And when you're ready, when you are done, kahit gaano kalayo, kahit gaano katagal, may uuwian ka, here is home. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) The reading gave me chills. Thank you. <laughs> like I'm, I'm more of a bicultural kid. Still, uh-huh. you know, it might just but me superimposing my own experience onto your poem. But that sense I got from not knowing where you truly belong really got mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think because I grew up as a third culture kid. Mm. we like 
bi culture kids or third culture kids, we will we will have things in common. <laughs> so no, you're not superimposing. I don't know where I'm from, <laughs> or I don't know where I where, I don't know where I belong. Um, and that's one of my one one of the obsessions that I've had with my poetry of late is the meaning of home. Mm. Because, you know, I mean, it's trite when you say home is where you, you know, where you rest your head or Mm -hmm. home is where your family is. It's kind of trite. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to figure out how to articulate that Mm -hmm. um, because I don't know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what home feels like. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of sad when you say it, when I say it, it it sounded sad when I said it. Sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, we deal with a lot here on those podcasts, yeah. so no worries. And I think <laughs> belonging is one of those, um, like, such a big yeah. subject that everybody writes about, right? Because whether yeah. you're a third culture, bi culture, or uni culture kid, you always want to oh. figure out where you truly belong, uh, where sure. you're accepted. Um, yeah, and then added to that, when you're a bicultural kid or a third culture kid, you're just like, right. oh, more complications. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> like, ah, okay, <laughs> more existential crises. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I have plans for this life. Can I get on those plans? You know. <laughs> So, so yeah, we figure it out as we go along, I suppose. I'm still trying to figure it out. Have you figured it out yet? No, <laughs> no. I think it drives me to explore the world. And in that, yeah. I appreciate that um, because yeah. uh, I always feel like it's not. I'm also Asian American. So, right. you know, visually, people don't think of Americans when they. Uh, when people say American, both right. within the U.S. and outside of U.S., they do not think of Asian, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, which is really upsetting because I feel like I have the culture, some of the cultural leanings of my family and my heritage, obviously. Right. At the same time, I feel like my a lot of my actions are very American, sometimes to my detriment. You know, it's like I'm very straightforward. And I feel like my personality uh, is actually more suited to the American sort of way of dealing with things. Right. Which comes with its both good and bad, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, so I wonder for you, again, you visually look much more Asian. Um, yes. Even though, <laughs> obviously, the Arab world, well, not the Arab world, rather than the Muslim world, really ranges, right? Because it, it spans from Africa to West Asia to East Asia, well, globally, really, when we're yes. talking about all of it, uh, including the diaspora. So I wonder right. how you felt, you know, we're both talking from the poem itself and what you wrote in the poem itself and also your own other experiences. Yeah, no, the poem I had written, see, sometimes I will get an idea. Mm-hmm. Or a poem, a lot of people or some poets would be writing with a lot of intention, mm-hmm. knowing exactly what they wanted to write, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then writing it down, and then you know editing it, and you know. But I usually just go with the first line and I write it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an idea of what I wanted to say when I wrote this. Mm-hmm. All I know is that I wanted to explore the thought that we have a word in in Tagalog saying it's wit, it's to go home. Mm-hmm. And it's one word. Mm-hmm. Why do we have this word? I wanted to explore that. And you know, yeah, I just wrote the wave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and yeah, so I thought it must have been that 
you know, people always left their residences or their homes to go somewhere else, but that they always came back. Mm. That's why we have that one word. Right. Because they go, they, you know, they come back. Right. Um, well, talking a little bit about the word itself, does it mean both uh, go back to your physical residence and go back to the sense of home? Yeah, wit is, um, it means to go home. So either go home as in like a house mm. or go home as in a country. Mm. Um, people will use that. For example, so I live in Dubai and one of the, word, one of the questions you'll get asked by your kabayans or your countrymen, mm. <laughs> but, um, Filipinos will ask you, so kailan ka uuwit? Which means when are you going to go home? Mm. And it's implied that you are going to go home to the Philippines. Mm. They're not asking when you're going home to your house. They're asking when are you going home to your country. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very interesting. So I, I, I wanted to, to flesh that out. And I just wrote it. I wrote the wave of the poem. Mm. And this is what I came up with. <laughs> right, right. And I, I yeah. sense that in, in truly in the entire packet that you send mm. me, there were all exploring the sense of belonging in one way or another, whether it's the language or the sense of having left so many places uh, and coming to a new place and still not knowing whether this is the place that you're going to stay. Right. Those are my obsessions, I suppose. Um. (laughs) Because of, of my history uh, of, you know, moving from place to place. And it was always, uh, it wasn't always planned. So moving from the Philippines to Cairo was. Mm. But moving from Cairo to Vienna wasn't. Mm. And then moving from Vienna to Oman also wasn't planned. Mm. From Oman, I went home to the Philippines for about two years. Mm. That also wasn't planned. Mm. From Oman, I went to Qatar, mm. supposedly on vacation, um, but my parents wouldn't let me go back to the Philippines. So then I stayed in, in Qatar. And then from Qatar, we went to the UAE. Mm. And it was always like a constant uprooting that I was never prepared for. <laughs> 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 so for the longest time, I, I, I had the baggage of things that I had left like if I had known that we were gonna move here permanently Mm. I would have brought this and that and the other and then you know so I I lost a lot of like my personal things Mm. um but yeah um over time I suppose I grew to not be so sentimental Mm. because I was there I was so sentimental if we had spoken 10 years ago you would know how sentimental I was Mm. I I napkins i keep notes i keep i keep so many things Mm-mm. um yeah but then you know knowing you know having having moved so much i've i've learned to just kind of you know let go <laughs> sometimes it's so hard but yeah um especially now since i've been living in dubai for 17 years mm, wow. um and i've kind of made a semblance of home here Mm-mm. yeah for me, actually, this place is is the longest I've been anywhere. Oh. Yeah, because I've been here for 17 years. I stayed in the Philippines for 11 mm. years, mm. collectively. Mm. So I, I, I left when I was seven, and then I went back. No, nine years, actually. So, yeah, so I've been in Dubai longer than I've been anywhere. Mm. Mm. So if I decide to move out of here it's going to be hard (laughs) it's going to be the hardest thing that I ever do because I've grown accustomed to to the UAE and yeah I I really love this place actually Mm. all the places that I've I've lived in I think this is the place where I didn't miss anything so when we moved yeah when we moved to Cairo I was like you know I was I was missing a lot of things because it was the first place that I've been yeah, and then when I when I moved to to Vienna, I started missing both Cairo and the Philippines. 
Mm. Then when we moved to Oman, I started missing Vienna, Cairo, the Philippines. <laughs> right? Mm. I moved to I moved back to the Philippines, and it wasn't what I thought it would be. Right? Because I'd been away. Right? I'd yeah. been away. Yeah. Uh, for a while, so I didn't. It wasn't the Philippines that I remembered. Mm. Especially, you know, you grow older, and then you know, um, things change. Mm. So I started. Well, I enjoyed it. Obviously, um, it was it was nice to be in a city where you understood people, mm. language wise, I suppose, and culture wise. Mm. Like you, you understood. You you didn't have to strain mm. to understand. You know what I mean? Because mm. yeah. um, you can't. You, I mean, I can I can understand other cultures, but I have to. You know, it's it's an effort, right? Mm. Being in the Philippines, it wasn't so much of an, a big effort because you know it was it was native to me, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I did enjoy it for a while, but then you know I started missing. What was interesting? I started to miss the Adhan. and I'm not Muslim. I'm I'm actually Christian, but I missed hearing the call to prayer. Mm. <laughs> when uh, when I went home to the Philippines, because you know, in, in in this region, you'll hear it intermittently through through the course of the day. You'll be hearing it, and I, I started to miss that. Mm-hmm. I started to miss the food. You know, it was just it was all of that. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I don't know why we went off into that tangent. <laughs> I know that's not my point now. <laughs> um, no, this is this is exactly how the podcast goes. <laughs> <laughs> all tangents yes <laughs> um, so but yeah <laughs> no worries no worries at all I think that is something that moving without preparation right because we think of moving yeah. as even for most refugees I feel like there is a sense of okay hanging on to things until we right. have to leave, but there's still that sense of okay, I think we we might have to leave. Okay, so there's there's stages of being pushed out, right? So right, and and especially for a child, when when you left, you're only yeah. seven. It's yeah, you know, to be thrown into a new situation, especially if you know, again, as I said, visually you are more Asian looking. Yes. Um, going into a world where they're less Asian looking, even though Cairo is very close to West Asia. But still, West Asians and yeah. East Asians look very different. So, Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so that that is very, it, it can be very jarring. It was. And you get mistaken for other nationalities, too. I remember being in Sunday school uh, mm-hmm. in Cairo, and a Japanese girl bowed to me. Mm-hmm. She thought I was Japanese. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, even here, even now, like, I'll get mistaken. It's it's so interesting, the, the types of nationalities I get mistaken for. I've been, you know, like, I'll expect Korean. I'll expect Chinese. I'll expect all of that. But then recently, I've been mistaken to be Russian. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that was a shock to me. It's like, oh, okay. I, I have not been to Russia, but I've seen uh, movies and also pictures of you know Asian Russians. So I right. can, I can understand that, but you don't yeah. think of Russia when you know the way that it's presented in media. You don't main mainstream media. Yeah. You think of more no. white European, you know. So yeah, agree. No, because we there are a lot of um, you know Kazakhstan. Uh, uh, natives here there's um kyrgyzstan which i okay like i'll i i do think they they are more asian looking mm-hmm. um but yeah i've i've had russian i've had uh someone said uh i look colombian even i was like what <laughs> which part <laughs> <laughs> but again i mean like latin america is one of the most mixed places i feel like because that is true so and and also even indigenous people, like um, yeah, recent, yeah. Um, unfortunately, uptick of anti-Asian uh, prejudice. Um, right. I was at an indigenous 
virtual meeting and they were talking about how some of their members were being mistaken for Asian American oh. men and feeling oh. this backlash as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I just feel like we, I think partly the media is to blame because they blast such, you know, mainstream images of, okay, this is what Russia, Russians are supposed yeah. to look like. <laughs> this is what True. Americans, you know? So, True. but it's, when you get down into the country, you realize how incredibly diverse it is. Diverse, can, yeah, right? yeah, agreed. Yeah, so, agreed. Yes. and it's both good and bad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had, I had similar experiences when I was in, well, not too many different, more like, uh, when I was in Uganda, everybody was like, Chinese, Chinese, because China has a, outsized influence there in the country because of their yeah investments so so i was just like american (laughs) 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 and like also the prejudice in america oh yeah kind of train me to when people bow to me i would just like i had this i have this visceral reaction of wanting to drop kick them (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i I guess you also get like here it's normal people will ask you where are you from right okay um and we don't take that as an offense Mm -hmm. but i suppose um and i've heard from asian americans in the u.s that it's kind of offensive to ask that where are you from like where are you really from yeah i i feel like where are you from? Well, I, I've traveled enough that where are you from is not as offensive to me. But ah, okay. when when I tell them and they're like, no, 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 where are you really from? That, to me, is like, okay, okay. I'm going to give you a break on the first question. <laughs> I, I will chalk it up to genuine curiosity. But when I tell yeah. you and you don't believe me, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... So that's the problem I have, whether I'm in the States or outside the States, because I've had the right. experience where, especially uh, from different minorities, uh, that to me just mm. is, although I know intellectually it shouldn't be extra painful, but it is extra painful. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Because I remember a South Asian person, I forget which country, asked me where I was from. And I told him. And he was like, no, no, no. Where are you really from? I was just like, are we tracing my ancestry here? Are we really doing that? No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah. For a time, I struggled with that question. Not because it was offensive, but I literally did not know what to say. Yeah. 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 When you leave at seven, really, it's just, you know, you were born in one place, your family is in one place, but especially when you come from that culture, very family-oriented, right? Like, very community-oriented, then I feel like your identity is rooted within the community where you are, and then then suddenly being uprooted to a different country. Uh, But then you were seven, so you had... Yeah. (laughs) I was young. <laughs> yeah, outsized influence by all these other cultures. So I can totally understand why you wouldn't yeah. know unless you sit down and write a bunch of poems like this and short stories. Yes. <laughs> that is how I flesh it out. That is how I, that's how I process it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I totally understand. I mean... <laughs> The larger subject of belonging, I still write about once in a while. I think less often now than I used to because I'm, I just accept that I don't really belong. <laughs> I'm just like, mm. and I feel like you are, you have this similar thing where you're expecting the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like that, right? When you're talking about how. Because it's happened so often, especially without notice, then mm-hmm. how do you ever feel truly comfortable where you are, right? Yeah. 
I don't know. <laughs> um, like, because maybe I've been here for 17 years. So yes, it's kind of like, I'm comfortable here. Um, mm-hmm. But still, you know, I can't fully claim, like I can't say that I'm a Marathi, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Dubai, mm-hmm. but I'm Filipino, right? Mm-hmm. So it's belonging, but not belonging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm located here and I am at this locale, but not, not of here. I think that's that's one of the obsessions that I have with poetry as well. It's like, can you actually really claim a land and can a land claim you? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm a bit envious in some ways of the people who are so adamantly like, this is my land, you know? Same. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure about that? Are you sure? <laughs> I am like I because I I am Filipino I hold a passport but for a long time I kept myself from writing in Tagalog mm-hmm. or I kept myself from inserting my personality or my culture into the poem mm-hmm. not because I was ashamed of it but because I felt that they would be that they would they would be angry um, in some sense, because like, what do you know? Mm. You've been away, mm. you know, like, I feel like they, they're not going to do that. Obviously <laughs> they haven't done that, mm. <laughs> but that's what it felt like to me. Like it was, I, it was too foreign for me to claim it. Mm. Yes. I have paper that, that shows that, you know, I can claim to be Filipino. I am, but it just felt like, I think the best way to describe it is I felt like I was appropriating my own my own Filipino-ness, my own culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. totally makes um, sense. <laughs> I felt like that for a time. It felt like that for, for, for a time. But yeah, I got over it. <laughs> I, I, I reiterated to myself that, you know, being Filipino doesn't have to be that one, one thing. Like, you know, and whatever experiences I have, um, as a Filipino outside of the Philippines is still valid. Yeah. I'm still Filipino. And yeah. there are other Filipinos who are going through the same thing. Mm. I'm not the only one who has been away from the Philippines and had to, you know, kind of maintain that culture in their household. Mm. Um, and that is the only culture that they know mm. um, of the Philippines, the one that was maintained in their household. Yeah, yeah so... I'm trying to tell this story, or my story, the migrant story, I suppose, in as as authentically as I can mm. um, in poems, and yeah, I think I think that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that, I think specifically, makes... I suppose, um, to migrants in the Middle East, mm. right? So Philippine, and be, there's a lot of us, yeah, um, Filipino migrants in the in the Middle East. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard that. So you will. See um, in some of my poems, I have Arabic words. There are German words as well, I suppose, because I grew up partly in Vienna. But I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be as authentic and as true to what I experienced, what my experiences are. Mm-hmm. And I figured that if I can say it, I can write it. Yeah, yeah. That's how I made myself write it put it down in the poem yeah I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense because in some ways we almost internalize the stereotyping of what it means to be of a certain place yes you know yes and in a way this these sort of writings where we accept that we are multicultural yeah is you know, in in a way, de- decolonizing our own minds as well, and also fighting sure. back against the system that says you have to be like this in order to claim this land or to claim this heritage. True, 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 true. When I read your poem, I was thinking, what made you feel like you did not belong? And that's what reminded me of this poem, the the skeptical merchant, yeah. which is what yes. I sent you. So I'm going to read that now, and we'll, we'll continue this conversation through yes, this context. So the skeptical merchant. 
I have no sympathy for strudels. Feel no kinship towards gentilly. Cream puffs engender yearnings only at designated moon phases. The squint of your eyes gives hints. You share my skeptics and evasion as you pull back your shoulders in a distancing maneuver. But your glance askance tells me its arrows point my way as you back away from my kind smile in mid-curve. You are stranger to my sweets left for others to calculate the risk rewards of approach. Beautiful poem. Thank you. That's such a beautiful poem. Thank you very much. That's very delicious on um on the tongue. You know what I mean? Um, some words just roll off the tongue, and it's delicious to say. Thank you. Thank Glance, you. Glance. I love it. Yeah, people notice that about my writing, and I don't do it on purpose. Oh, really? Yeah, I, that comes. It just comes naturally to you to follow the sound. Yeah, I tend to write following the sound, as you said, because I have had some musical training when I was a kid, and、uh, I, okay, I realize now that enough people have noticed it that it must have been that that makes it make me、um. just tend to. Think in a musical way when I'm writing, treating language as if it's just another way of expressing music. Right, right, and poetry is very musical. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sympathy for strudels. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> as I said, I, it reminded your poem reminded me of it because. It doesn't tell me the why you didn't feel like you belong, right? It has this like this concentrated feeling, like what is home? Yeah, that question. It's all about examining that question. It doesn't give you an answer. Um, no. And I feel like my poem is almost like the prequel to your poem. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> So I don't. I wasn't sure how you reacted to this poem, and I wonder if how you felt about it when you received it. Like I said, I love.、Um, I, I I paid attention to the deliciousness of it, and I felt. For me, poems really, you know, it's they come from somewhere magical for me, at、mm-hmm. least. Like I told you, I never know where my poems come from. I never know. How it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and but I felt the I thought now that we when you're when you're when you were talking about it, that you don't do it deliberately. I thought that you were doing it deliberately, but you were just, you were following the sound of it. It's it's very beautiful. I wonder what made you do the line break. Were you also following the sound for it too? Yeah, more often than not, that's what I'm doing. I try to make it visually consistent as well, not very successfully, <laughs> as you can see. That's that <laughs> middle line in the second stanza is like, yeah, I'm gonna protrude. <laughs> okay, okay, but so、um, for the second stanza, what made you want to do it as a second stanza and not just one one whole poem? I think for me it's because there was a turn. I always, when I write,、uh, yes. I usually never write with visuals in mind.、Uh, I usually、okay. write whatever comes out. I just line break whatever I feel like,、um, and then I and it comes out in a block, and then I、okay. go back and I edit, and then I was like, I think this belongs. There, there's a line break. There should be a line break here, or、um, actually,、right. there should be a, a stanza break. Um, because I、okay. feel like this is the turn of the poem,、um, right? So that's why I feel like you, you know、uh, this should should go into its own stanza. I don't know if it came across this, and if you feel that it's relatable to your own experience of all of these, you know, what we might turn now as microaggressions. <gasps> That make you feel like you don't belong. Well, <clears throat> to be honest, I feel like 
like microaggressions, I've kind of gotten numb to it <laughs> mm. <laughs> in some sense because, you know, because I live here and because there's so, you know, so many different nationalities here, you kind of even, it's not viewed as a microaggression. It's more of a curiosity mm. because they're coming from different places, mm. right? So, but I do have sympathy for strudels because I grew up in Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like I betray strudels because I, I enjoy strudels when I was in Vienna as well. <laughs> like, I, as I said, I, I just don't tend to, um, I'm not drawn to sweets when I'm not, um, you know, during a certain time of the month. So then I'm yes. like, give me all the sweets. Give me all the sweets. <laughs> Um, Would you try the popkin strudel? No, I think I'm. Oh, actually, you, I, you I, just I, had the apple, the apple strudel. Yeah, because I wasn't there during the season. I don't think. Well, actually, I was in Germany at around um, yeah that time. So I wonder, maybe it's not as popular in Germany. Mm. Ah, okay, yeah, um, yeah. The topfen strudel is is a it's cream cheese. Oh, wow, and it is oh. And they serve it, usually they will serve it with schlagobers, which is like a, a, a heavier whipped cream. Oh, God. Oh, girl. <laughs> yeah, this is a, the exact time right now where I am totally, when I read this poem, like, I need to visit a bakery now. <laughs> and Chantilly is just so wonderful, you know, like, when you want I've it. never had I've never had Chantilly um, cream puffs, actually. Mm. Is it like an eclair? Or what is it? Well, I meant to, this enjambment is meant to use cream in both places. I mean, they're actually ah. separate things. And Chantilly cream and then cream puffs. I meant to separate them, but ah, okay. use okay. an enjambment so I don't say Chantilly cream, cream puffs. <laughs> mm. um, right. There's Chantilly cream. I've, I've just Googled it, but I've never tasted it either. So I didn't know. <laughs> mm, I thought it was just like, but I might be misremembering because it's been a while since I was in France. Um, I always think of it just more of a lighter cream, uh, similar to whipped cream, I think. Okay. Um, okay. But cream puffs is more custardy, or at least from the East asian perspective right which is just like yummy oh my god i should have had lunch before (laughs) doing this oh should have had lunch before we did this (laughs) yeah yeah because i'm just like well i i do have a chocolate pie waiting for me in the fridge so i'm i'm covered but still you know it's different chantilly is different strudel is different flavor cream puffs it's different i need to go to a bakery (laughs) <laughs> do you have any good bakeries near you uh not that i know of because you know oh. year and a half of shutdown i'm just like I, i'm ah. relatively new to the area so i'm I've, i see. now recently i've been exploring a little bit i'm like i know there are things going on but they're recently they've some things have reopened so i'm like oh finally i get to know this place <laughs> So, um, okay. so yeah, I'm looking forward to when the moon faces are, you know, are in, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. alignment, then I, I look forward to checking those out. Going back to this idea of uh, microaggressions and, and, or just, yeah. just lots of things in the daily life that makes you feel, make anyone feel like they do not belong because the person who's committing those acts whether they're intentional or not, um, right, right, they're operating out of a preconceived notion of who belongs to what place, you know. Right, right, and why are you here is mm-hmm. is also implied in that, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Um, and and that goes back to sort of your appropriation of. Uh, when you were talking yes. about that to self-appropriate, yes. right? Which is yes. a possible thing at the same time is like, 
there is this gray area of appropriation as well for me, like speaking from a person of color perspective, because it usually mm. happens uh, from dominant culture to marginalized culture. And, right. and that dominant culture could be any dominant culture. Like, right. They could be, they could be considered peoples of, they are peoples of colors themselves. They're categorized, that, but they can still be the perpetrators of a dominant culture narrative. Right. And, and so it's really interesting for me to explore the idea that you mentioned about appropriation. What's, you know, to me, I think it's, okay to have a genuine curiosity for a culture. Um, True. That's how you learn, too. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think if we become hard-lined about who can learn a culture, then we almost stop the circulation of cultures. Because um, mm. it's often the people who are interested in going to different cultures that spread that cultural heritage around true true at the same time obviously there are just like very egregious and very concrete examples of cultural appropriation where someone who doesn't necessarily have the curiosity for the culture but just want a certain look a certain taste and mm. and also take up a spot where that spot especially how do i say a, a earning of living spot for people mm. from people who uh, are marginalized and i think that for me is the kind of appropriation or under the umbrella of appropriation that i have real trouble with yeah yeah i agree i agree now that unfortunately you feel numb about, I guess I guess it's a good thing um, that you feel more yeah. numbed about microaggressions. Do you feel like those everyday actions, again whether intentional or not, is what make you ultimately feel like you don't belong anywhere? I mean, I'll say that I'm numb to it, but maybe that is um, you know it piles on, it goes mm -hmm. into the compost. Mm -hmm. of <laughs> of things to obsess about right mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean our lives make us right mm -hmm. our our experiences our our daily you know little things will make will make us and you know you'll you'll disregard a comment or you'll disregard a question but then it'll be at the back of your mind mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so yeah so yeah perhaps my outer persona will say that I've grown accustomed to it or I've, got, I've grown um, numb to it. But perhaps my inner persona will be like, no, <laughs> mm. you are not. And we are going to explore this. <laughs> <laughs> but also because, like I said earlier, I don't know what, what it's supposed to feel like. Mm. Um, what is this belonging supposed to feel like? Mm. Well, I, I think that's the triggering aspect, right? When when you yourself are trying to understand the sense of belonging, yeah. and then when somebody questions that, then it just goes. Yeah. It's like putting a coin in a jukebox, in a way, mm. and you you replay those feelings again. Yeah. Yeah. I envy the people who have, you know, who've kind of stayed where they, where they are for a longer period, you know, at least mm -hmm. until, you know, they've, they've gone through their formative years, you know, because right. they can, whether they choose to or not, they can, you know, definitively say, I am from here. Right. But yeah, now it's, I've, I've, I've learned and I've grown to to the answer that I usually give, which is I am from the Philippines, but mm. I actually have a poem that that ends in that way um, that talks about that um, mm. of where I am from. It kind of explains me, 
because, you know, the Filipinos will think, well, at least the Filipinos that I've met will say, you know, will ask me, so where are you from? And I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm Filipino, but you don't sound like you're Filipino. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got I'll speak that. the language. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak the language and I speak Tagalog uh, fluently, not poetically, mm. but I speak it fluently and I understand it. But they say, you know, but you're not really Filipino. Are you half? Are you? <laughs> so I will get that. And I know it's, 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 it's out of curiosity. They're, they weren't, you know, they're not being mean. So, yeah, so I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, for a long time, I didn't know how to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, now I've learned, you know, it's a longer conversation. You know, it's not a one-word answer, like, where are you from? Right. right. I am. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that- tell me about this. Yeah. Sorry, that could be good because then you get yeah. to have these conversations. And I think in that conversation, sure. hopefully their minds will be expanded as well as to what it means to be Filipino um, sure. in the diaspora. Because I sure. actually, to, to what you said earlier, I actually left uh, my, my family immigrated when I was a teen, but I still don't feel like I belong truly to either because, oh, again, okay. I feel like my personality lends itself to the American way of life, whatever that means, <laughs> much better. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I also come from a more, you know, community-oriented place where it's community-oriented to the point that's suppressing individual identity. And to me, that doesn't sit well. And I think just thinking back of... To when I was a kid, even then I was rebellious against it. So I, I feel like in that sense, it's not just my American culture making me rebellious against that, but rather that I have a personality that's better suited to the sense of having an individuality. But I, mm. I, I, I think I'm somewhere in between, which makes me feel like maybe I'm more European. <laughs> ah. <laughs> you know, having this sense of self-identity, but also having a sense of belonging to a community, the, the, right. the Goldilocks of cultures. Right. <laughs> that is so... I love that. The Goldilocks of culture. It's like, oh, it's too hot. No, it's too big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think this is something that so many people, especially if they don't leave their culture of birth, yeah. that they don't get to explore the sense of we actually have a choice in where we belong in the truest sense of you know, if if every country allowed the free flowing of migration, because mm. you know it is not a cultural necessity for anyone to have to die where they were born or stay uh. entirely for their whole life where they were born. Mm-hmm. For me, though, maybe I romanticize it because you know it's completely the opposite mm-hmm. of what I grew up of how I grew up right mm-hmm. um but I do feel like there's a certain sort of charm to you know to just staying in one place um and being rooted in the community and in that place and you know actually yeah um yeah it's me no, I, I think- <laughs> I'm over recognizing that thought uh, because I didn't feel it I didn't experience it <laughs> I think that it's completely understandable Um, But again, it's, you have to find where you truly feel like you belong. And that's not necessarily in the Philippines, right? True. Maybe in the Philippines, but like, there are so many different cities in the Philippines and towns. Mm -hmm. I haven't explored all of them. Um, So it could be there, or it could be here where I'm at. Yeah, I've, I've not explored enough, or I haven't. I have explored too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell, right, from day to day, which one it is. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's hard. I mean, yes, I've explored a lot, but then also no. Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard. I think finding finding home is also tantamount to finding love. <laughs> mm. Well, it is a and that, sort of love. It is a love, love for it is a love where you belong, yeah. right? Um, and again, yeah. this belonging doesn't need to be culturally rooted because I, I personally find um, that I'm more comfortable when I am among people who have traveled more, who have lived uh, elsewhere. Because right. similar to people who uh, only come from one place and stayed in that one place, there is a sense of understanding without having to explain. Right, right. I think again, it's like having to deal with multiple cultures, and especially in this world that we live in, where it's taken on such a weight because of the issues with refugees, the issues with um, xenophobia, racism, all of these things that are that are associated with becoming multi multicultural kids and and yeah. also being us being not only just people of color but female people of color. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, just like all these extra layers on top of this just basic question of where do I belong? Agreed. <laughs> so much to take on. So such a meaty, meaty topic you know and i know <laughs> <laughs> but i so appreciate you taking the time to explore that with me today and and i wonder uh before i let you go if you can tell me if you have any favor open mics that you would recommend the virtual ones i think we're t- we already sort of taught said that there's one <laughs> but uh, yes but also how do we follow you, the, the listeners follow you online? Yes, there's that one open mic that I know um, that is uh, regularly holding their events on the monthly, and it's Rooftop Rhythms. You can follow me online at Gutierrez on Instagram and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I do also have a website, which is danabelgutierrez.com. And yeah. I'm very friendly. I don't bite. Send me a message. <laughs> it's true. I can attest to that. That's how we met. <laughs> That's how we came to interview. <laughs> so yeah, I'm always up for conversation, whether it's about poetry or just life in general. Art. I love art. So yeah, um, follow. Send me a message. Let's talk. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, thank you again so much for your time. I thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. It was uh, it was a lovely uh, conversation. Yeah. I, yeah. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. In addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. I really appreciate all the conversations I've had the fortune to have with these amazing poets, and thank you everyone for listening.